supply shortages is one of the hottest topics right now in Blendlink products, if not the single biggest issue for a lot of manufacturers and dealers and those in the channel. It's incredible to see, if you just look at the climate, the market right now, how much demand there is for building materials and how much lead times have exponentially expanded along with cost for a lot of materials out there. And this is creating a lot of strain for the channel and for those specifically selling to the GCs and builders of the world, which is why I'm excited about today's episode. We bring on a sales and marketing specialist that focuses on the dealer distributor arena. They share some really simple strategies for how communicating with your channel partners should change now with the current market and how you can be proactive and keep business even when times are strained. Regardless of whether or not you have supply shortages or not, this is an incredible episode for anybody that wants to strengthen relationships with their channel partners. All right, let's get in the episode. Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. All right, everybody, welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing, where we believe your online presence should be your best salesperson. I am Zach Williams, alongside my co-host, Beth Popniklov. We've got an awesome show lined up for you today. Yeah, we have a great guest. We have Bradley Hartman from Behind Your Back Sales Company. Bradley, we're so excited to have you on. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what Behind Your Back Sales Company is all about? You bet. Thank you. Big fans of the show. So excited to be here. So I grew up in the lumber and building materials business. So when I was 14, started working in a lumber yard and then mold windows together and worked at a door shop and delivered cabinetry and worked at a trust plant through my father. He was in the business for 40 years. So fell in love with the business there and then worked for over a decade at a national home builder, built over a thousand homes in the field and then transitioned into an area purchasing role during some very interesting times from 2007 to 2011. And that's where I really got to see this other side of selling and how we chose to buy and then launched the Behind Your Back Sales Company. And we work primarily with dealers, but also distributors and manufacturers, helping them make it easy for people to buy. I love that. I mean, you've got a pretty good following too, Bradley, don't you? Like you've got your own podcast. Is that right? Do. So we have the Behind Your Back podcast. We kind of focus on sales and leadership. And and that's why your show has been such a great compliment. Really kind of pick up a lot of the social media and general marketing things for our channel. So I think it's a, it's a really good one-two punch. So excited to be here. Well, I'm, I'm shamelessly plugging it because I think it's, you've got a great show and you've got great insight, and especially if you're a manufacturer, you're trying to learn from, you know, learn, learn about what's happening with builders, contractors, dealers, distributors, whatever it might be. Bradley's got some great insight. So that's a shameless plug. We'll make sure we link to that as well. Love it. Thank you. What I really want to talk to you about today, Bradley, is a lot of the conversations we're having today are about how can companies pivot and improve within the midst of COVID and post-COVID. And I think your perspective is really needed on our show and for our listeners, because you hear and you're in the front lines about what's happening from a sales standpoint. So I'd love to just dive into this episode and talk with you a little about, well, what are you seeing from a dealer perspective about how they are adapting their business? What are you seeing that's working? And then what information do you think is important for manufacturers to hear from them about? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we'll just set the stage because I think uh, manufacturers, distributors, and dealers are all kind of facing the same thing as COVID kind of came in in March Everyone started kind of hoarding cash, started thinking about furloughing employees, and started preparing for the Great Recession 2.0. And March wasn't great. April was maybe 10 points off. May, a few points, if not even. And June, for a lot of folks, has been fantastic. And I think collectively, our industry is kind of, we're patting ourselves down now and being like, 
oh, we're alive. We're here. We made it. And here's a problem. And for some, it's a good problem, but it's a real problem that dealers are having is now that we're here, we've all prepared for the worst and it's not here. And now we're all struggling to satisfy our customers. And I think manufacturers in general, they are poised to go on offense if, and it's a big if, if they can do the very minimum, the basics, which is communicate lead times, deliver product on time, and when things change, just communicate. And right now, dealers are really struggling just to understand what those are and schedule things out for their customers. So they're doing a lot of reactive scrambling. And meanwhile, they've also done the same thing. They've laid people off or they've got people working from home. So all of this is just a huge disruption and they're really struggling to kind of find a way out and just find a predictable path from week to week. So I think one question that we would have that actually exactly what you're saying, Bradley, plays really well into a conversation we were just having with a lumber dealer previously about the need for manufacturers to communicate, the need for them to have give insight into availability, which let's just be honest, if this is the very first time that you've just realized that's something you need to be doing for your customers, that's like a whole different conversation. Feels like you should have been doing that all along. But what are you hearing from your lumber dealers that you're interacting with about this communication? And maybe you can tell us who you think is doing it well for them and what gaps they're still having to endure, so to speak. Yeah, I think it's fundamentally about doing the way we've always done it, which is when times are good, we're really investing in that relationship. And what I've heard a lot from dealers is that we always talk about it being a relationship business. Mm -hmm. However, now the rubber is meeting the road and if pressure-treated lumber, if sheet goods, if these are on allocation, well, that means that manufacturer and distributor, that we are making choices on who gets what. And all of a sudden, I, it's kind of, I, what's going on? I thought we were friends. Where's my stuff? And all of a sudden, they're saying, some guys went dark. I was talking to a, a supplier of, of gypsum and drywall, and he was saying, they have furloughed their salespeople. So that salesperson we have is only working every other week. And because the news is generally bad, he doesn't communicate. So either mm. he's not working and I can't communicate with him, or he's working and hiding. So he's saying, hey, even if it's bad news, just be here, be present with me. And, and meanwhile, you know, dealers are kind of struggling because a lot of them have not invested in communication channels themselves on having a chat feature on a website and you know, really simple online ordering. So all of these things, communication all through the channel are really just kind of gumming up the works and everyone's just trying to kind of fix it on the fly when, as you guys know, these things generally take years to implement and folks are now just trying to have those discussions now, put those processes in, which are next to impossible. So it's just, they're constantly waking up day after day, really in reactive mode. Mm, it's exhausting. I, I love what you're saying. And actually, I don't love it, but I think it's interesting is that people are just not responding because they have no good news. Yeah, <laughs> They're so. just like, I can't take giving you bad news because I'm afraid of how you're going to respond. So I'm just going to go ghost you is what's going to happen, which is going to come back to bite them when they actually do have product and when they can sell, you know? Yeah, well, absolutely. And I think what this industry does well is generally we are problem solvers. Mm -hmm. And I think if I come to you and I say, you know, Beth, Zach, here's the deal. Uh, we have a seven week lead time and I know that your best customer needs us in three. I've shut off my phone and I got with my team and we spent the last three hours thinking of alternatives to help you through this. I don't know if any of these are good, 
but we've got a range of alternatives. Let's meet to discuss them. Like, show me you're putting in that effort to think through some some alternate ways to, to make this happen. Bradley, I'd love to hear an example of a dealer or even a manufacturer that you see that's doing a good job at navigating this right now, that's being proactive in their marketing and in their communication. Do you, do you have anybody, if I could put you on the spot? Yeah, just recently, we have a, a dealer client who called me. They work exclusively with the national builders, so certainly had some perspective there. And they said, here's the rumor is that the national builder is going to come and ask for just like a flat 7.5% deduct off the bottom line. We heard that's coming. But meanwhile, from the commodity standpoint, we have an increase coming in our costs. And our concern is, you know, we're going to come and lose this business when they're asking for a deduct and we're asking for an increase. They're like, what should we do? And I said, well, here's what I would do. Overall, what they're trying to do is lower house costs while keeping all the value. That's hard to do. You don't want to be part of that. However, what you can do is, and they also handle lumber building materials, but they also install it. So I said, you have a wide range of ideas on ways that you can just lower house cost. Now, some of those don't put base in all the closets. Well, that's one way. That's an option. You can. And what we did is we allocated like three hours and we got on the phone, we did a Zoom call, and we ended up with like 74 different unique ways that they could lower house cost. Now, some of these don't install a mirror in the powder room. We assume that they would say, we don't want to do that. But we also had some of their competitors that were doing something similar. So they were all within the realm of possibility. And we said, let's go out to them proactively and say, hey, at some point, if this continues, and we found ourselves in, you know, 10 years later, in the Great Recession 2.0, you're probably going to ask how we can lower house cost so you can ultimately sell more homes at a lower price point. We've come up with all these ideas. We put our heads together. We're thinking about your business. We looked at your competitors. We'd like to have a meeting, probably need 90 minutes to go through them. Are you open to that? And they said, I love this. Why are we waiting to a near crisis to have this conversation? We want these ideas more proactively. So I think it's that sort of thing where instead of waiting that there might be bad news, waiting for Zach and Beth to call me and have this discussion about prices, let's go in with ideas and, you know, again, actually live out what we want to be, which is like a consultant seller. What a shift in the conversation. So now you're not in negotiations. No one's negotiating over price. Instead, you're being an incredible partner to this vendor versus having to, well, we know that you're just trying to cut our costs so that we don't cut your costs. Like you literally just flipped it on its head. It's incredible. Well, absolutely. And so the name Behind Your Back came from a book that I wrote after I left being in that purchasing role. And it's Behind Your Back, What Purchasing Managers Say Once You Leave the Room and How to Get Them to Say Yes. And the thesis there was, we all want the same things. I want to work with an expert who has ideas and insights, who can help me make, find, and save money, and I enjoy working with. And Beth, if, if you and I are fit there, that's great. And if not, I want to exit this conversation as fast as possible. But I'm like, the both sides want the same thing. And yet the way that we sell and the way that builders buy often create you know, all this friction, all these long lead times, and a bunch of pain and angst on both sides that are largely unnecessary. Well, by the way, Bradley, I love the name of your business behind your back sales. Cause like immediately you're like, well, wait, what are you saying behind my back? And who is talking behind me? Yeah. I would love to know right now, what do you think the conversation that's being had by builders specifically behind the back of a manufacturer? Like what is the conversation that they're having that manufacturers don't know that they're having that they need to be aware of? 
large question, <laughs> broadly speaking, but also I think germane to this moment in time, is that in general, over the course of history and industry, as the technology improves, you see quality go up and the price go down. For builders, when it comes to the large components and trusses and wall panels and floor panels and those sorts of things, the opposite is happening. We are seeing technology advance, and yet this price continues to inch upwards. And builders in general are saying, why is that? And then we're seeing also these productivity of labor in general has been talked a lot about in construction is either stagnant over the past 20, 30 years. And we said this, you know, when I got into the business in 2000, the way we build homes today, outside of a few different things, isn't that different from the way we built homes a hundred years ago, which is insane, you know? And I think we are probably deliberately ignoring some of the advances in technology there. But in general, you visit a job site and a custom home or even some national builders, guys are kind of doing the same things in the same way we have for a long time. So I think for national builders are saying, if we have this volume, why are we not seeing new ideas and new innovation come through the channel that are seeing our costs go down, not go up and not stay flat? So I think that's the much larger question that's happening. What's your response to them? Sorry, it costs more to do what we do, even though it's more efficient. Like, how do you respond to that? Because if I'm a builder, I'm, if I'm a builder, the conversation I'm having is I can't have an entry-level home. I can't build an entry-level home profitably anymore. Or I can, but I've really got to cut corners. Or it's got to be a home that maybe somebody doesn't want or in an area somebody doesn't want. You know, like what's the conversation that you see that's working, Bradley? Well, I think in general and why I love your podcast is you look at two big, probably the most important functions within a business, which is innovation and marketing. As you descend through the supply chain from a manufacturer to a distributor to a dealer, that skill and understanding and expertise comes down quickly. And at the dealer level, they kind of struggle with innovation and finding new ways. And there's some bright spots like a Kukin Brothers. I think they do an unbelievable job connecting marketing and sales. But in general, when we talk about marketing, we talk about innovation, those are so much stronger at the manufacturer level. And I think manufacturers can bring a lot of that expertise to help them think through, hey, let's look at your marketing strategy. And unfortunately, at the dealer level, a lot of times marketing consists of, we've got someone, we uh, post on Facebook every now and then, we post on Instagram, and we schedule the biannual barbecue. That's what we do. And a lot of times you can see this, this is you know probably for a separate podcast, but we have a lot of VPs of sales and marketing. You would never have a VP of sales and finance. That's crazy. Why? Well, those are two really important functions that are very different, but a lot of times we think of sales and marketing as the same. So I could go on a rant here and blow out this entire episode here, but I think in, in short, it's distributors and manufacturers need to kind of bring in some of that innovation and tell a better story. We always talked about the TCO, total cost of ownership as a builder. Tell me a story where I can pay 30% more for your product here but in the long run, five years through my warranty, I can save 20% with data in a way that I believe you. Mm -hmm. And that story is told few and far between. I can tell you firsthand. First of all, at that rant, you would have a standing ovation from Zach and I, at least. I think what you're saying such an important message. And I just want to take a minute to make sure that it's being clear because you're literally saying the opposite of what we hear from manufacturers. Manufacturers will say, 
We would love to bring a new product to the market. We would love to be innovative. If we're innovative, no one will buy our product. No one will give us a chance. No one will put us in their homes or in their apartment it's buildings. It's too expensive. It's yeah, too whatever. expensive. The rate of adoption is too slow. It's too low. Don't even get me started on dealers stocking our new products. And you're saying, actually, the market is asking for it, but it's the way that the new products and the innovation is being delivered that's causing it to go flat. I do. I believe that. And I would often sit in there and I would say, hey, just tell me your story. How are you better? How are you different? And so many salespeople struggled with that. And they would kind of tell me a story and they would give me, you know, a five page pamphlet in size five font. And I'm like, I'm not going to read this. And then they would come and say, it's real easy. You just got to go to your framer. You got to go to your electrician and you tell him if you buy this, then uh, you can decrease his contract by 20%. And I would say, well, (laughs) if I'm in purchasing, you just gave me an idea. And even if I like that idea, I have to do all the work. I would say, you go to the electrician, you go to the framer. (laughs) You talk it, you tell him where that the productivity savings will allow him to do 10 more houses. And then they'd be like, well, <laughs> you know how electricians are. I said, yeah, I do. I have to buy from them today. You know? So I said, you do the hard work. And I realized it's not easy and it takes thinking and you got to think differently, which I think is the reason a lot of people don't do it. But there are certainly instances and examples where you see, and you guys, you guys are helping them, right? Be successful but you got to tell a really simple story that travels well. And I think most don't do that. Yeah. I mean, we as an agency, we obviously focus a lot on the messaging of how to deliver those sales points that you're talking about. How do we deliver that digitally? But what you're talking about is the friction point in the communication relationship, which I think is really important because what you're talking about, which is something we often bring up on the show is, is friction. What level of friction are you is present in your sales process? You might have a great product that's going to save a bunch of money, but if there's an additional 5% that you need to go to do some additional legwork for them that gets you in the door, like why aren't, we, why aren't we training people to look for those opportunities, to just break down every barrier, every reason why they couldn't try a product, whatever it might be? We think that, oh, well, I'm presenting you the value of this product. Why don't you just try it? Because it's more work for them. No, nobody wants more work. Everybody has enough work. Nobody goes to work and you know, goes, you know what? I have nothing to do today. Everybody. I wish I could do more. <laughs> I have so much time. You know? Yeah. And we often talk to our dealers about this shift that's been going. And for you guys and your your listeners, I'm going to be preaching to the choir, but it's this shift from high touch experiences to low touch content. And as a purchasing manager, the primary way things were sold to me was, hey, let's go to a five hour round at Medina. Let's go have an hour and a half meeting with me and my six smartest colleagues. Let's go to a Cubs game. Those take a lot of time. And I would say, hey, I'd love to do that with you. I just need pricing on this, or I just need a solution to this problem. They're like, hey, great, let's set up a meeting, right? High touch experience. Takes a lot of touch, takes a lot of my time, and I didn't have it. And this shift to low touch content, which again, preaching to the choir here is putting out content that when I type into Google, whatever that is, your content comes up and I can review that. I can learn from it. I can share it. I can do it at 1130 at night. I can do it at five o'clock in the morning. And it's not that I don't like Jim, my sales guy, but I just don't want to call him and talk to him because when I do, it's 40 minutes later, I get off the phone and it's a huge interruption. So this shift again from high touch experiences and sales to low touch content, manufacturers and, and agencies like you guys are helping 
But getting that shift down to the dealer level, which is kind of coming in face-to-face contact with the builders, is really, really slow. Do you know what's so interesting is I was just having a conversation with a manufacturer a couple weeks ago who was actually talking about how this shift to everything online has really impacted their sales guys. He was like, man, you get my sales guys in front of a dealer. They're great with the, you know, how was your fishing trip last week? How's your wife? They know your kids' birthdays. They can talk to you about the local high school football team that you super care about. He's like, you get them on Zoom and they're just like, they go blank. Like they can't treat it the same. And it's actually hurt their business because they weren't able to make that shift to online to that low touch content, to having those low touch conversations. It just was such a disconnect for their sales team. They had to get super innovative with their marketing tactics to make up for it. It's interesting. You bring up a great point, Beth, is that we were doing a Zoom call. We've done a bunch of training since this hit as you know, a lot of folks are working from home, can't do what they normally do. So they say, hey, let's do some training. So over the, since March, we've probably throughout the channel, probably 750 sales reps. And I would always ask is, you know, as we've been in COVID for a month or two months or three months, I would say, how many Zoom calls have you done with either A, customers or B, prospects? And we would say maybe 10 to 20% did a Zoom call to see face-to-face with a customer, almost zero with a prospect. And they're just like, well, you know, they don't want to. And I just, I can't wait to get back to doing what I did before. I need that Mm. face-to-face. And I would say, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. I see your face on the screen. You see my face on the screen. We both benefit from seeing each other's nonverbal communication. This is face-to-face. And they'd kind of roll their eyes and they're kind of like, oh, you tricked me here. I was like, this is still face-to-face. Is it the same? No. But, But we've seen so many folks, including my clients, including builders who are saying, yeah, the Zoom stuff has been over the top. However... I have saved so much time. And when this guy comes by with a box of donuts, block out an hour because that's what we're doing. He's nice. I like him. I don't want to kick him out. But now I have to allocate an hour for whatever he's going to deal because, you know, he brought over 12 donuts. So again, it's this, how can we shift this little thinking in our mind? And, and again, I think this intelligence and these changes can come from anywhere. This can come from a manufacturer saying, hey, you know, we have a we have a checklist of top 10 things we do to not have a crappy Zoom call. I know you're probably struggling with this too, is why don't I just give you a mini training just one-on-one? Like that can immediately help drive sales. So if I can shift gears just for a little bit, you have such perspective and insight into this that I really think, especially our manufacturer listeners want to, like, I know that they're going to benefit from what smart strategies are you seeing from manufacturers to service the channel? Yeah, I think there's a couple of bright spots here and I'm somewhat biased. I know these folks, I'm friends with them, but you know, the Boise Cascade folks who handle the engineered wood products, they are, while yes, they're see, in manufacturing and they're kind of in distribution as well, is they're coming in, they're getting a lot of analytics and a lot of data from the optimization saws and things like that. And they're able to take that information think it through and be able to come back to directly address opportunities to improve productivity. And they're coming in saying, hey, here's we're working together and this is what we can help you with. So I think that's a huge one. Windsor One, who does kind of really high quality craftsmanship trim, I think they're doing a lot of really unique things that I just follow just to learn from. 
but where they're linking sales and marketing and really driving word of mouth marketing to kind of really have that marketing effort be the, to use a war analogy, you know, the carpet bombing ahead of the troops that are running in, you know, and that they have a lot of fun with it. And so they've been kind of really collaborating at the dealer level to, they did a thing where it was going to be an in-person event. They kept the same date. Obviously it was not in person, but they coordinated it. So everyone who was coming to the event online got delivered food at about the same time. So you were still like eating together. And oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Smart. And you just think Smart. it's a little thing, but the coordination, you're like, dude, how'd you do that? Well, yeah, they were thoughtful. And I think thoughtfulness is always differentiation. And if we get together and I show that, hey, I've spent time and effort and energy here and I can come up with an insight or idea, or at least have a different conversation with you guys, that thoughtfulness can be a differentiator. And we need more of that instead of less of what, you know, my normal milk run, just kind of going on my normal path. And I'll be by every third week of the month. And, you know, we'll have the same conversation. People are calling out sick because they know you're coming in. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Just kidding. That's great. Bradley, this has been awesome, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and just sharing with us and Again, we're huge fans of your podcast and your content. If someone wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, by far is our our website, behindyourbacksales.com. And I always tell folks, coming up on our 150th episode of the podcast there, I said, hey, if you listen to the podcast and you find it entertaining and insightful, you're going to like, I think, talking further. If not, I wouldn't call because kind of what you see is what you get for better or worse. But those are kind of the two primary channels. And against the Behind Your Back podcast. That's great. We'll make sure we link to that too in the show notes, but this has been awesome. And for our listeners, if you found this helpful, go to venvio.com slash podcast to subscribe and get all the resources we mentioned in this episode. Until next time, I am Zach Williams alongside Beth Popnikolov. Thanks, everybody.